You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the May 2012 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Woo-hoo. Uh, my name is Shane, and I'll be your host today. And before we get into today's topic, we want to tell you about some things that are coming up at New Spring Church that I know you want to know about. We want to make sure you have every opportunity to be a part of. The first is uh, this fall, September the 6th, is our one-day New Spring Leadership Conference. Perry, why don't you share with our listeners who's going to be speaking at this thing and why they need to come? Oh, man, it's uh, it's my favorite conference of the year out of anywhere that we go. It's um, Matt Chandler, Stephen Furtick, James McDonald, Judah Smith, Andy Stanley, Judd Wilhite, myself, and we're going to be, um, it'll be seven speakers one day, um, just straight church leadership, and I cannot wait. It Literally, this is our third year in a row. It's going to sell out, sells out. I mean, it sold out uh, last year quickly, and so I would encourage people to get registered as soon as possible. It's 139 bucks now, but the price is changing on July 1st to 159 bucks. You can go to unleash.cc/nlc. Um, we've all there. There, um, it's 25% sold out already. That's right. So. You, don't, you don't want to miss that. And the thing that uh, I love about this, we seven speakers one day, is will be done by. Five or five thirty. Five or five thirty. So depending on who gets that last spot. That's and, true. You know. Anyway. Well, yep. It's going to be fun. You don't want to miss it. It will sell out. So why not get the cheaper price? Our CFO will love that. <laughs> not really. He wants you to wait. But but let's not make him happy. Let's exactly. sell this thing out at one thirty nine. Uh, the other thing we want to make you aware of is uh, the dates, November twelfth through the fourteenth. We call this uh, Perry's Leadership Intensive. This is uh, three days, basically, of some serious, intense, focused leadership training. It's for uh, senior pastors, executive pastors, any pastors, anybody that's working in church that feels like you want to take some steps forward in your leadership. And the thing you need to know about this is we've already got lots of applications on this. It is limited to about 50 or 60 people. Registration ends on July the 16th. You have to fill out an application. It's $850, and it's something that we've seen great fruit from uh, over the last, last several years of the coaching networks you've done, Perry. Why don't you share uh, whatever you'd like to to our listeners on why they need to be involved in that? Well, we did this because of the coaching network, and instead of spending, you know, we, we would do the coaching network, and it would be once a month you would come here for four months. And we discovered that it was easier to come here for a – and then, you know, three or four days as easier than it was to come for over a period of four months. It's cheaper airplane tickets, you know, and we, we've got applications for this thing, even from the UK. We got some friends coming from across the pond um, to come to this thing. So we're really excited. So if you want to get registered, it, it's expensive and um, it, it, it is. But I would encourage you to register for it because it's fun. Yep, you don't want to miss that, and I'm sure our uh, COO, Jason Moorhead, would love for me to announce that if you do fill out an application and you're from outside the continental United States, you automatically get in. I mean, why not? I mean, I think that that would be great. That would be great. I'm just kidding. That's not that's not true. But you probably have a really really good chance. You do have a really good shot. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, let's transition into uh, a really important topic. We're going to uh, share with our listeners today. Uh, that we'll call, we're calling this three key ways to maintain unity on your team. Uh, and what we're going to do, Perry, something we haven't done in a while, is we're going to share uh, some teaching, uh, and then we're going to do some Q and A after that. But the cool part about uh, this month's podcast is we're going to 
a sneak a peek into one of our all staff meetings. This is something we don't broadcast. This is something that we don't uh, really share very often. But over the next couple of months, we thought it'd be important to, to share some of the key teachings uh, that you shared with our staff, inside our staff, with some of our listeners. So what we're going to do is we're going to listen to uh, about a seven-minute clip as you go through uh, some key ways to maintain unity on your team. And I just want to let everybody know that just prior to this, you had read uh, Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll pick up uh, our all-staff meeting at that point right there. Israel will split up in 12 tribes. So it took 12 tribes working together to pull this off. Think about the unity that was on that church staff, if you will. And I started thinking, man, if we're going to continue to have a healthy church culture, then we've got to have unity among the staff. Because one of the things I've always shared with the staff, and I've shared with this staff this principle since we were six people, if God can split our, our I'm sorry, if Satan can split our staff, he can split our church. And one of the reasons this church has been protected over the past 12 years is because the staff has maintained a healthy culture. So just three things, and guys, you know these things, but I wrote these down just as reminders, three things we need to be very, very careful to do um, in, in regards to our relationships with staff. Um, the first thing is always remember that love always assumes the best about a person. Always remember that love always assumes the best about someone. Love always assumes the best. Now, let me tell you why this is important. From time to time, there's going to be misunderstandings between staff people. Have y'all figured this out? Have y'all seen this? That somebody's going to, okay, like, okay, let me, let me kind of set this up. And I won't even use departments because every time I use department, they think I'm talking about something that happened there. So let's just hypothetically say we have department A and department B, all right? That doesn't stand for anything. And you got to clarify that. So you got this person from this department and this person from this department, and they've got to work together in order to pull an event off or a service off or something like that. So they have a conversation, and then something goes wrong. I mean, something goes bad wrong. Like somebody drops the ball, and you trace it back to these two people, okay? Now, what has to happen in that situation is this person cannot think about this person well, they're just lazy and they're just stupid and they're just, and they, you know what? I think they wanted this to fail and I don't think they like me and I think they wanted me to look bad. And the reason I'm saying that is because I know that's happened in people's minds. Love always assumes the best. You know what love does? Love causes this person to look at this person and go, obviously, I miscommunicated some things and I will take responsibility for this ball getting dropped. Love doesn't say, I don't know, man, they screwed it up. I did what I was supposed to do. They screwed it up. I don't know. Go talk to them. Guys, we can't have that. We can't. Love always assumes the best about another person. We've always got to look at everybody we work with and assume the best. And let me just say this. Let me push down on a little harder. If there's somebody on this staff that you don't like, ask yourself this question. What's wrong with my heart? What's wrong with my heart? What's wrong with my heart? Because the thing I figured out about Satan is if he can get you focused on somebody else's problems, you don't have to look at your own. Guys, love always assumes the best. You know what I've noticed? 
just in me personally, if I ask for something to be done and I ask person B to go do this and they don't pull it off the way that I wanted it pulled off, here's what I've discovered. 90% of the time, it's because I was not clear in communication. I made the assumptions. Remember, we assume they know, we assume they grow, we assume they show. I violated one of those three assumptions. And the other thing I began to discover about myself is we cannot hold people accountable for unspoken, unrealistic expectations. It's impossible. It's, it's a law of leadership, and if we violate it, it just kind of falls to pieces. Guys, love always assumes the best about another person. And I'll push down on this a little harder because I kind of feel the Spirit pushing this into me. If there's a relational rift between somebody on staff, it's because you're not assuming the best about each other. You're just not. Love always assumes the best. And love always gives the benefit of the doubt. Always gives the benefit of the doubt. All right, so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, that, in order to keep this, of course, and we talk about this all the time, is short accounts. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down on you while you're angry. So if the sun went down and you're angry at a staff member, you sinned. Congratulations. Way to go. You sinned against God. He says that in his word. So if you're angry at a staff member and you've been holding on to that anger and you've been holding on to that bitterness and it's been more than a day, you are a sinner and you need to repent before God and beg for his forgiveness. Okay? Cool. There we go. Number three, seize responsibility. This, and this is where I'm going to push down. This is, this is kind of like a, let's, let's get this straight. Um, we're either going to seize responsibility or shift blame when it comes to things that we don't understand. Now, here's the thing, guys, I figured out. We can always do a better job at communicating things, okay? And, guys, get this, we're still figuring this out because we used to just have one campus with one staff meeting where I just said something, and that was communication. Now we got emails, and we got Facebook, and we got Twitters, and we, we got all kinds of things, all different ways to communicate things. And so from time to time, the information is going to be just a tad bit unclear. It just is. Here's what everybody in this room needs to understand because you're on staff at New Spring Church and you're a leader. If something is unclear and you move forward with something being unclear to you, from this point on, it's your fault. If you think the information is unclear, pick up a phone, walk to somebody's office, and ask, hey, this is what this said. I don't understand this. Can you help this be made more clear? Because here's why we want you to do that, guys. You know what? We may go, oh my gosh, yes, we needed to say that. And we may have to send out another e email or we have to may, may have to recommunicate it in some way. But if the information is unclear to you, you can't move forward. And it's your responsibility to go to your direct supervisor and say, listen, I didn't understand what they're saying in this email. What do I need to do? What, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for our department? Because guys, there comes a time when we got to grow up. We're 12 years old and we've got to seize responsibility. You are a staff member in this church that carries certain rights and it carries responsibilities. And one of our responsibilities is we are responsible for the information communicated to us. And if it's not clear, ask. Ask. If you don't, it's your fault. That was fun. It was fun to listen to that again. And uh, hear uh, just a little bit. Again, I'm excited for our listeners to hear um, the passion with which you teach uh, our staff. 
what I'd like to do now is to uh, just start throwing some questions at, at you based on that. And the first thing, the first part of that uh, you share with us, number one, is that love assumes the best. Yep. And so in regards to that, Perry, when something goes wrong, team, church, staff, organization, whatever, why are we so slow to assume the best about someone? Um, I think because we, you know, we are naturally inclined to think that we're smarter than anybody else. Um, especially if you're a leader, you're always going to wrestle with that. You're always going to kind of struggle with that on some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so when something goes wrong, it, you automatically assume, well, oh my gosh, either they didn't do that right because they're not as smart as me, or, and the other thing I've seen happen is communication will break down on a team and somebody will say, well, they meant, they meant to do that. They, they, they meant to not do a good job. They were just lazy. They were ineffective. They were unproductive. And they, that's just the way they are. And that, that, is, that is so natural for people to drift to because we always think that we're always going to do the best job, but other people mm -hmm. won't always do as good as we're, we're doing. That's right. We always want to be right, and we always want to be able to do what we want um, when we want it, and we shift blame. Um, so why is it so important to, to check ourselves, to look at ourselves first before focusing on the other person? Well, love always assumes the best. I, I, what I find fascinating about... 1 Corinthians 13, the Apostle Paul puts 1 Corinthians 13, um, and, and, you know, I, I love the Bible translators the, are the people that put chapters and verses in there, because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, 11 is all about the Lord's Supper, right? You got chapter 12, all about spiritual gifts. You got chapter 14, all about essentially spiritual gifts, and it's like Paul, like, nobody knew what to do with 13, because that's a pretty short chapter, um, but right in the middle of Paul's instruction to the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts is this love chapter. And I don't, I don't think Paul put it in there because we needed some verses for weddings, um, even though that's what that's, yeah. we use them for that. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but right in the middle of Paul's instruction telling the people why to use their spiritual gifts and how to use their spiritual gifts is a whole section on the fact of you better love one another. And if you don't have love for each other, you're a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And I think that's what a leader is that doesn't love his people and assume the best. He's a resounding gong, clanging cymbal, nothing more than... He sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher when he talks to people. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I, no, I, I don't know what you're saying. Okay, see, exactly, <laughs> right? Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where... First uh, Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is self-seeking, it keeps no record of right and wrongs, it always protects, hopes, trusts, perseveres, love never fails. Those are things written for church leaders, not just husbands and wives to make each other cry right before they get married. I mean, that is essential, and that requires us to believe the best about the people we work with. If you can't believe the best about the people that you work with, um, most likely something's wrong with your heart. Um, I had to go through that personally when I caught myself drifting towards, well, they meant to do that or they dropped that ball on purpose. I realized that wasn't, my, that wasn't a problem with them as much as it was a problem in myself manifesting itself in mm -hmm. problems, perceived problems that I had with other people. Mm -hmm. Of course, embedded in that uh, assumption is love. And so how important is it to have an attitude of love toward the people you work with? No, it's just, you, you got, if you do not love the people you work with, 
um, there's there's going to be some problems. There's going to be disrespect. Um, that's where you'll run over people. That's where you'll manipulate people. That's where you'll do in runs around people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is essential, especially especially in church world. That's why I, 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 it, it bothers me when people go, um, well, Peter, you can't work with friends. You know, you shouldn't try to work with friends. You can't work with friends. And I'm like, wow, must have sucked to be Jesus then because I think he worked with his friends. I think he taught, called 12 guys. I think out of the 12, he had three. I think out of the three, he had one. I think that Jesus modeled that you not only can you do life and ministry together, you should be doing life and ministry together. And there's a lot of church staffs out there, Shane. You see it all the time, man. We see it too. They just don't. They don't even like each other. Mm-hmm. And that is, listen, if you want to advance the kingdom of God, you've got to do life and ministry with people that you genuinely love. So true. You're not going to you're not going to do the best for the team if you don't love the people on the team. That's right. Uh the other thing I wanted wanted to uh remind our listeners is in there you mentioned unspoken and unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. or not setting uh, expectations as a problem. What are some ways you try to avoid this dilemma? Well, you know, I realized this about two years ago, and people say, oh my gosh, that's such a great statement. Where did you come up with that? You cannot hold people accountable for unspoken, unrealistic expectations. And I say, I came up with that after 10 years of doing it and God showing me that that's what I was doing. So welcome to God whipping my rear end. That's exactly what that was. Um, I realized that I was holding people accountable to um, unrealistic expectations. Like, for example, I'd tell video guys, I want that done in 48 hours. And it's like, we can't even shoot the B-roll in 48 hours. Um, I would, you know, I would, I, would, I would have an expectation about something coming off in a service, and I wouldn't communicate it to anybody, and it wouldn't come off in the service, and then I would be mad. And, and I finally realized, you know what, that's not right. It, I've got to speak... Um, I've got to speak my expectations clearly as a leader, and then if I get significant pushback from someone that they're unrealistic, I have to listen, process that information, and then figure that out. But if you've got really great people on your team, they're, they're not going to push back um, if the expectations are realistic, but they will walk you through what's unrealistic. Yep. So what you're saying is love speaks clearly, and love uh, clearly defines the win. I didn't say that, but I wish I would have because that's yep. awesome. That was great. <laughs> that was me summing it up. Uh, second section of the of the message, and this was quick, but I want to ask at least ask you a couple questions from this. You said uh, one of the ways we we protect unity on our team is to keep short accounts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so holding on to anger for more than a day is sin. You mentioned that in the in the clip. Yep. What are some practical problems that this creates for the team? Well, I mean, if you get mad at somebody, and let's just be honest, you're going to get mad at people you work with. I mean, you're going to get upset. Once again, go back to the apostles. It happened among them. James and John said, we want to sit at your right and left, and everybody's mad at everybody. And they were mad because they didn't get to ask first, really. And so th- there's going to be some problems on the team. People are going to get ill um, at one another. And if you hold on to that anger... The thing that I've found most of the time is um, Satan, our enemy, really, really does want to divide church staff. He really does. And so the thing I found personally is if I, if I get mad at somebody, within 48 hours, somebody else that's also mad at that person mm-hmm. always comes into contact with me. Somehow, some way, we bump into each other, we run into each other, we see each other online or whatever, 
And always, and just just so funny, one of us will mention the person that we're mad at, and the other person will be like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you know what they did the other day? And if you don't handle that problem, if you, if you don't handle cancer quickly, it spreads and it kills people. you got to cut cancer out. And when you get angry at someone you work with, it's listen, it is natural to get angry. The Bible didn't say don't get angry. The Bible says you can get angry, but don't sin in your anger. Um, and sin, according to Ephesians 4, is holding on to that anger for more than a day. Now people go, well, I'm not sure it's a literal day. Well, I'm pretty sure the sun going down 2,000 years ago pretty much meant the same thing that it does today. So, um, And there's it, no downside to go ahead and taking care of it. No. I mean, what? yeah, what's the worst thing that could happen? It... The, and and I did a blog post on this recently, Shane. But we, email does not work. If you've got to, if you've got to have, um, if you got to settle a dispute with another human being, email does not work. Text does not work. It takes a face-to-face conversation. Yep. Otherwise, you're just asking to make the situation worse. Well, yeah, because you can't. You, you know, you cannot convey emotions accurately in email. You can't do it. It's it's just impossible. One of the things I wanted to to, to ask you about is, or is just say this. I mean, this is a concept that's a big deal to you, and and you model it really well. This is something that coming on staff New Spring seven years ago. I mean, this is something that you were you employed then. I remember you talking about that. Uh, so I was just curious, was there a specific incident or when in your leadership life did you learn to make this a priority? You know, I served at um, my very first church in 1991 is actually when I joined the staff there. And I learned so much and the people there were so gracious to me. But, you know, I, I learned then if you get ill at somebody and you don't communicate it, it manifests itself very ugly. It really does. Like, if you hold it in, when it finally comes out of you, it does not come out pretty. Mm-hmm. I think it was Andy Stanley said that nothing that grows in the dark is unattract- is attractive. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you go out in the woods and there's a piece of plywood and you pull up that piece of plywood, what's under that piece of plywood is nothing that you would want to bring in your home. And that's exactly what happens when we allow unresolved conflict and anger to build up inside of us because what will happen is – Let's say four or five small things happen that bother you, and you go, well, they're just not really that big of a deal. I mean, you know, but then they build up over time. Well, then one day, the person that you're angry at that's done four or five things that make you ill, that have no, they had no idea those things made you ill. They had no idea those things hurt your feelings. Um, one day, they do something really small and insignificant, and you just blow up. Mm-hmm. Like, you lose your mind, and they're like, what is going on? I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But it happened because... Um, you weren't mature enough to go to them and say, hey, man, listen, I just want to let you know, I think we may have had a misunderstanding. We may have had a problem. You know, I think I think I may have misunderstood something. Um, when you speak the truth in love, like Ephesians 4 says, um, it, it just goes so much better. Yeah, and I think this is probably the key reason there's so much discontent on church staffs in particular. Oh, yeah. Just unresolved conflict, leaders who are afraid to have a tough conversation. Uh, and if, if the church, especially the church organization, people, staff, volunteers that serve the church would eliminate this and don't let the sun go down on their anger, I think it would, it would radically change the church in America. Well, how many conversations have you had with church leaders? Because I hear this all the time, and somebody will come in and go, oh, my gosh, I'm really upset at my pastor. Okay, well, why are you Almost upset? Almost everyone. Yeah, okay, why are you upset with your pastor? Da, 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 da. Okay, well, here's the deal. Um, have you told your pastor? Oh, I couldn't do that. No, you really can 
you know, or, or I've taught a pastor. I'm really upset with uh, the worship leader. Why are you upset with the worship leader? Da, 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 da. Well, have you talked to him? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. <laughs> well, why not? Like, you've got to talk to each other. We've got to stop talking about each other, start talking to each other on church staff. Absolutely. I would definitely say right right behind that problem is uh, the next section that you talked about is just that we need to seize responsibility. Yes. Um, as an organization grows, communication becomes a greater challenge, obviously. What are some ways as a leader or some ways a leader can protect his team in this? Well, one of the things that we've got to do is not make the assumption that everybody knows what we know. I used to get really mad um, uh, at people because... I would work on an idea or a concept, and it would brew in my mind for maybe a week or a month or even six months sometimes. And I would come into a room and communicate it, and I'd been thinking about it, let's just say let's just say three weeks. I'd been thinking about it three weeks. So I communicate everything that I've been thinking about three weeks, and it was about as clear as mud to everybody in the room. And then I would expect them to go out and communicate it, and then they couldn't do it. And then it got miscommunicated, and da-da-da-da-da, and then I was all upset, and everybody's all upset, and the lines got blurred. And so one of the things that a leader can do is not make the assumption that everyone understands everything that he is communicating, which allows him to say at the end of the period when he's done communicating, does anyone have any questions? And when people ask questions, he doesn't get um, threatened, intimidated, or bothered by them. He literally receives them and, and, and understands that they're asking that because they're asking for clarification. They're not trying to exercise condemnation. Yeah, that's another reason assuming the best is so important, that if you're trying to communicate something, you don't make the assumptions and let people ask questions and get clarity because they become somebody who can amplify the direction or vision as opposed to stand against it because they don't know what's going on. Yep. Uh, shift in blame. Let's talk about that. That seems to be our default reaction to a problem. I know it's mine. Yep. It's a defense mechanism. How do you protect against this in your leadership? Well, you just got to, you know, if everything that goes wrong is everybody else's fault, then either, A, you work with the dumbest people on the planet, <laughs> or B, you have a problem accepting responsibility. One of the things I always tell people is to, to, bl to blame is lame. Um, everybody that's always throwing other people under the bus but never accepting responsibility is not a good leader. They're just not a good leader. And so um, I can't stand it when a leader shifts blame and go, well, I, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I, I didn't know, or I did my part, or I don't, I don't know why they did that. I mean, that's just not what a leader is called to do. A leader is called to accept responsibility when it goes bad, and when it goes good, you just give credit. That's right. You just give credit and accept responsibility when it goes bad, not the other way around. That's exactly right. And I would even add this for a leader, not just to accept responsibility, but take some bullets for your team. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's not just about shifting blame. We should be standing in the way to protect our team. Um, uh, with that, let me just ask you this, Perry. I love uh, how you, in this, in this clip we listened to, how you put the burden on our staff to seek out information if they feel like they're not sure about something. How important is it for a leader to free his team up to ask questions to get clarity? Oh, very important. I mean, anybody that works for a leader needs to feel like they can come into his office or, or his cube or whatever work environment you have and, and ask, hey, listen, um, we got this all staff email or we got, you know, I saw this on the website or whatever. I didn't understand this. Can you help me understand it better? Or even this, Shane, um, I don't understand why we're doing this. 
can you help me understand why a little bit better? I was asked this question by a staff member the other day. I was reading through a job evaluation. Um, we do three-month and one-year evaluations. And uh, I was reading on a three-month job evaluation. Um, one of the questions is, does anything we seem to do be doing seem to be off-center or off-purpose? And he literally asked a question there that basically said, hey, I know we're having this event. I don't really understand why we're doing that. And so I just took the time. Um, I literally, I, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to explain it to him. And I sent about a five or six page or paragraph email. Um, and I said, hey, if there are any other questions that you have about this, please come um, and, and talk to me about it and let's get this resolved. I didn't say, dear moron. Here are three reasons that you are stupid. Number one, you're stupid. Number two, I didn't go there. I was like, you know what? That's a legitimate question. But the reason he's going to be such a great leader is because he was like, listen, I just don't understand this. He was seeking information. That information got provided to him, and he sent me back an email saying, hey, listen, thank you so much for that. I I totally get that now. Mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. So um, if, if there's something going on in your church, and it's been communicated to you. And listen, communication is always going to be a challenge. Anytime mm-hmm. you have more than one human being involved, there's going to be communication issues. Take take example for ma- marriage, okay? There's right. communication issues in marriage. So there's always going to be a communication problem. If something has been communicated to you as a staff member and you don't understand it, but then you continue to walk in what you don't understand, that's not your leader's fault. That's your fault. If something gets communicated and it's not clear, it's up to you to get clarification. Yep. Because, you know what, if it's clear to everybody else but it wasn't clear to you, maybe you needed some clarification. Doesn't mean you're stupid. It means you just need clarification. Yeah, I love it. In the, in the clip, you sort of allude to the fact that I don't know or I didn't know is an unacceptable response. Absolutely. That people need to relentlessly pursue information uh, until they know what to do, and nobody in our organization is going to hold that against them. We're glad we want to give them clarity. You need to know what you're supposed to be doing, and and if you want to know why, you should ask that too, because if you don't know why you do what you do, you'll quit. That's right, and a leader who can't accept good questions like that don't need to be in leadership. That's right. Uh, Well, Well, let me me say this. Yeah, a lot of leaders... um, can't handle questions like that because they'll be like, oh, you're being disloyal. Oh, I can't believe you're asking. Listen, I want people asking me about everything that they don't understand because at the end of the day, if I can't sell the staff on the vision, I definitely don't need to try to step up in, on a Sunday and sell the vision. You know what I'm saying? That's real good. So yep. it's not, it's not, you shouldn't be intimidated by questions from your staff. You should be, I mean, you should love that. Yep. It means they care. Yep. Uh, well, as we wrap up uh, this uh, this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, let me just kind of throw this uh, out. You know, you said at the beginning of this clip, and I've heard you say this many times, that Satan knows if he can split our staff, he can split our church. So as we close out today's podcast, talk about this, the importance of recogni- recognizing this truth, and offer our listeners some final thoughts on the importance of protecting the unity of their team. Yeah, the, the enemy really does want to split church staff. I mean, if, even if you look at the book of Acts, he tried to do it. He tried to do it with, with Peter and Paul, and Paul you know, went to Peter's face in Galatians chapter 2 and said, I opposed him to his face. He was clearly wrong. He tried to do it with Paul and Barnabas when they got in a fight over John Mark. Um, Satan's crafty, and he try, he'll come after a church staff. Good gosh, how many leaders 
or how many people listening to this podcast right now know about a church in their own community that was started because another church split. And 90% of the time, the other church split and took staff, right. from, and then they named their church like Unity Church or something like that. <laughs> Um, Harmony Bible <laughs> Fellowship or whatever. I'm sorry if you're at Harmony Bible Fellowship. It just means you're a church split. Um, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's true. It's just true. And so um, I've seen so many churches split, so many movements shut down because the staff could not get along. Uh, Satan, Satan wants to split the church. He really does. He wants to split every church, but he wants to. Do, but he's coming after the staff because leaders are influencers, and he wants to get the influencers. So it's so important for staff to keep short accounts, to assume the best about each other, have clear communication with one another. Um, so once again, going back to Ephesians 4, we do not give the devil a foothold. That's good. Well, thanks again for listening to uh, the May edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, and we will see you guys next month.